All right, well, well, good evening and welcome to our mid-week service. And we're going to start a new teaching today, uh, The Power of Fellowship. The Power of Fellowship. And let's, let's look here at Genesis 2. We'll start here with Genesis 2. Genesis 2, and we'll lock in on verse 18. Genesis 2, we'll lock in on verse 18. It says, and the Lord God said, it's not good that man should be alone, and I will make him a helpmeet suitable for him. <laughs> All right, so, so again, it's not good for, obviously he was talking about Adam. He says it's not good for man to be alone. And we know man is a species. Um, it's not good for any of us to be, to be alone. And, and when, I, when I use that scripture, the Lord has always had me to have these companion scriptures together with it just for the sake of conversation. Because there's, what is the danger of, of man to be alone? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, it says, um, Let's just go there. Go to Proverbs 3. Familiar scripture and should be very familiar because anytime I speak Genesis 2.18, I reference these scriptures, been doing it for years, way back, even in Ohio. It says, uh, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not to thine own understanding. Trust in the Lord with all thy heart and lean not to thy own understanding. Hey, could you give me just a little more by Thanks. It says, trust in the Lord with all thy heart and lean not to thine own understanding. It says, in all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy path. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy path. So there's a chance when you're alone you could what? Lean to your own understanding. Because what understanding is present at that particular time? Just you, Right? And so, so, so I think we get through stages in our life where there's a, there's a level of surety that I created some mishaps, I've learned some things, I've gained knowledge, I'm knowledgeable, and some of my knowledge has, has created success. So, so I'll share this with you. Uh, uh, and I think he won a championship, but I'm not sure. Uh, I always use sports. This is basketball, so the coach is Bill Fitch. Not sure, but I think he won one championship. But I remember I was watching TV one day, and he had lost his thousandth, a thousandth, is that right? Thousandth game. But he was the first person. Nobody had ever lost a thousand games. He lost more games than he won. And then I said to myself that day, I said, you know, it's about to be a thousand one, thousand two, thousand three, because you know, you're going to lose some more games. And then I said to myself that day, I said, so how is somebody that's lost more games than they've won, more games than ever in the history of basketball, NBA basketball, how are they still coaching? So they might be coaching why? Because they won what? The championship. But if you look at the body of work, did they win the championship? Or did they just have the right pieces? Okay, so now I'm, I said that to say something. We have successes in our lives. Sometimes God just worked out everything to work out, and, hey, we created that success. We brokered that deal. Um, uh, we won that game. And then sometimes we'll ride out that one pocket and not open ourselves up to new information, right? Because we say to ourselves, well, when I did this before, it was successful, right? <laughs> but what are we doing at that point? Lean into our own understanding, right? Lean into our own understanding. And then, so we don't want to be alone because we're leaning to our own understanding. Um, and there's something else. This is an audible. Apologize to people watching. If you, have, you have to write this scripture down. It's not going to come up on the screen. But James chapter 1. I forgot to put this in my own notes because this is the other scripture the Lord has me referenced with this. It says, verse 19, it says, Wherefore, beloved, 
Let every man be swift to hear and slow to speak. Um, swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. As if for the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God, right? Um, drop down here, verse 22. This, uh, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. Look, deceiving what? Your own selves. So if we don't, if, if we find ourselves isolated, we could be tempted to what? Lean to our own understanding, right? But then we could also be tempted to do what? Deceive ourselves, right? And then that brings us to 2 Timothy 2. We've talked about this a lot here. 2 Timothy 2, uh, verse 23. I'm going to lock in on 24, 25, and probably 26, but I want to just start with 23. It says, but foolish and unlearned questions avoid knowing that they do gender stripes, right? It says, and the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, right? Look. Verse 25, in meekness, instructing those that, look, oppose themselves. So people can oppose themselves. They can deceive themselves. They can lean to their own understanding. It says, if God, uh, it says peradventure or perhaps, will give them repentance to the acknowledgement of the truth. Verse 26, look, and that they may, look, recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who who are taken captive by him at his will, not their will, at his will. So that's why it's not good to be caught in the fringes or, or caught in isolation because you could lean to your own understanding. And we all have a, a come up with, I don't want to call it good reasons, we come up with reasons for everything we do, right? You know, because you feel bad or you, it might not be accurate to say, yeah, but I, but I didn't really miss it because I could have, this is kind of how it happened. And so, so that's dangerous. So, so you don't want to start to operate in that Lone Ranger syndrome. So I call it the Lone Ranger syndrome, right? And sometimes you could be present in the room, but you're still a Lone Ranger, right? Sometimes you could be present in the room. You could be amongst a crowd and still be isolated, right? All right, so I, I, was, uh, I was at a, a family affair, um, and... I was talking to uh, this particular family member that, look, I was sitting there, wasn't nobody talking to me. They saw me. I said, oh, wow. I said, so how many people rejected you? What do you mean? Now, I'm paraphrasing the conversation. Didn't go exactly like that. But I was saying, basically, who did you talk to? Well, I didn't talk to nobody. But how do you know that they, they, they were uncomfortable with talking to you because you look like you were distant from wanting to communicate with them. You know, this is, it's, it's a real simple rule. You don't have to figure out if people are going to talk to you. Just engage them. But if you're not engaging people, please stop saying nobody's talking to me because you're not talking to anybody, right? If people are rejecting you, you have every right to say, hey, I'm trying to talk to people, and they keep rejecting you know, I call Ed, and Ed's like, man, why are you even calling me, man? I don't want to talk to you, Pastor. Hey, listen, I see you at church, man, but don't call me no more. Don't call this house no more. Then I can say, man, every time I call Ed, he don't want to talk to me. Right? But I can't sit in my house and say, Ed don't want to talk to me because Ed hadn't called me. Well, who's thinking about Ed at the time? Me, so I should call, all right? And I only use that, not to put nobody down, just for us to understand how we can get in our own head, lean to our own understanding, deceive ourselves, oppose ourselves, and like the prodigal son, then we got to come to ourselves, right? In Luke 15, 17, right? So I speak those together. I actually used it for a teaching probably like 20 years ago, but if they follow, if those scriptures follow me wherever I go. <laughs> All right, now let's go to Hebrews 10, Hebrews 10. Again, we're talking about the power of fellowship and avoiding the Lone Ranger syndrome, the Lone Ranger syndrome, which is sometimes we could be tempted to do. Uh, Hebrews 10, verse 24. It says, uh, and let us consider one another to provoke, to provoke unto love and to good works. So I'm considering other people 
you know, you know, you always hear me say, consider your audience. I'm thinking outside myself. I'm not in my own world. But I'm, but I'm considering other people to provoke unto love and to good works. So I'm always thinking about how I can help people walk in love and operate in good works. Verse 25. It says, not forsaking, right? Not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhort, exhorting one another uh, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. So I'll say this not just for the people in the house, but the people you, you're watching out there today. When, when, when you have uh, Christians in this time which has been earmarked or deemed as the end times, right? When you have people talking to you in a vacuum or in the, in the, uh, out of the bubble of the end times, there's a sense of urgency not to indict you because you haven't been at church or you haven't been at prayer or you haven't been in your Bible. No, the urgency is they know it's the end times and, the, and because they spend a lot of time around the God, the kingdom of God, they can pick up it's getting closer. And because they can pick up and getting closer, whereas this was, you know, 50, 60 years ago, they may go, hey, we got time. You know what I'm saying? But they realize we ain't got no time. And so you have every right to say, I'm not feeling that. I'm not trying to hear that. I don't think it's fair that you're indicting them because they care enough to share with you, uh, one, the benefit they have and the, um, the assurance they have of not just now and this, living a wonderful life now and this time on the time to come. But trust me, they're not... you. you you already can do what you want to do. They're offering you considerations because you, you may or may not know, but you can say, oh, I know what you're offering. I don't want it. No problem. You understand? But that's where it's coming from because we recognize it's the end times. Uh, if you look around you and you see plagues and viruses and different things like that, uh, wars and rumors of wars, you can, that's prophetic. That's in the Bible, you know. Respectfully, everybody's not reading the Bible, so they may not know that all the signs of the times are manifesting, so you, it's understandable that you don't have that level of urgency. That's why people are trying to bring you into fellowship so you actually can, can, can be incubated in that power that's going to resurrect us into God's presence. You understand what I'm saying? So that's, that's, that's what it really is about. So that's why people saying don't forsake yourself. We'll read this out of the Amplified, the classic Amplified version. I just like that version. It says, let us consider to, and give attentive, continuous care to watching over one another, studying how we may stir up, stimulate, and incite to love and helpful deeds and noble activities, not forsaken or neglecting to assemble together as believers, as it is the habit of some people, but admonishing, warning, urging, and encouraging. Now listen, admonishing is warning, urging, and encouraging one another and all the more faithfully as you see the day approaching. So, 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 so again, admonishment is not just encouragement. It's warning also. But see, we've converted warning into, here you go. So why, why are you trying to speak fear? No. We, you warn a kid not to, put the, not to go near that, that, that electric socket, right? Don't go near the stove. Like, is that fire and brimstone or are you trying to protect the child, right? Same thing. So, so I, I just want to give us understanding as we talk about fellowship because fellowship uh, has so much value and so much power behind it. All right, 1 John 1, 7. 1 John 1, 7. So it says this. It says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, Look, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, the Son, cleanses us from all sin. So you notice when people isolate themselves, they're not walking in what? The light. They're hiding in the darkness. And you notice some of us have been, been, this, been in this place in our life where we kind of slipped off the rails or backslid, whatever you want to call it. You notice how we distance ourselves, and we all think the same thing. Do they know? And it says, so, so like they was hanging out with you. Now, they may or may not know specifically, 
But they can pick up something's different. You know why? Because you carry a darkness when you hang around darkness. You look dark when you hang around darkness. You look light when you hang around light. You could be smiling, dancing, and quoting every scripture in the world. Hang around darkness, you're going to be looking like darkness. And then if you're around long enough, that stench is going to be all over you. They're going to see you coming. They're going to pick up, uh, you talking to something, something just don't seem right. It's like a cloud over them, you know, all right? All right, so Acts 2, 42 through 47. Acts 2, 42 through 47. Again, we're talking about the power of fellowship, the power of fellowship, just giving some foundational scriptures. It says, and they continued. Now, now, now remember Acts chapter 2, which we may get into here in a little bit. This is them coming together. They're on one accord. The power of God falls. The, the, the power of God falls, and they are speaking in unknown tongues in everybody's language. So they, they roll up on Peter and them. Peter, who was easily intimidated previously, right? When Jesus, you know, remember when he denied Jesus, right? So now he's, he's, he's filled with the power, and he's not easily influenced. See, before he was easily influenced. Now, I'm not, I'm not, Jesus who? Now he's walking in power, and when they challenged him, he was like, oh, no, no, these ain't drunk as you suppose. These are filled with the Holy Ghost. This is what the prophet Joel talked about in, in um, Joel chapter 2, that God will pour out a spirit on all flesh. So he's breaking down how they get to this point. And then if you get down here, after uh, the, uh, the power and everything started experiencing, it says, and they continued... So after the power falls, they didn't rest in, look, I flow in the power. It says they continue steadfastly in apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul and many wonders, fear, that's reverence, and, any, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles because they were doing what? They continue steadfastly in the doctrine, in the word, and fellowship, and breaking bread, and in prayers. Right? And so reverence came upon them, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were what? Together, and had all things common. Speaking, thinking, and operating in agreement. And sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they continually, and, and they continuing daily with one accord, whereat in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor, look, with all people, even enemies. And the Lord added to the church daily as such as, as such as should be saved. Look at all that took place just because they stayed in fellowship. They stayed in prayer. They stayed in the Word. Look at all that took place. Miracles, signs, and wonders. To a point where they were rolling so well, they said, hey, let's, let's you know, I'm going to sell some of this stuff. It didn't say, the, see, nobody had lack. So that means even the people that sold didn't have lack. But they made sure nobody had any natural things or natural affairs they had to worry about so they can continue locking into the Word and growing in God. These things are possible. That's why you get into fellowship, and that's why you get in agreement. That's why you don't isolate yourself, whether you're sad or you're glad. You know, sometimes we're doing well and we go into isolation because we go, I got mine. You ain't got all that God has for you. Because if you did, it will overflow and the impact on other people's lives, right? All right, so let's go here to 1 Corinthians 12, right? Power of fellowship. I'm going to reference some things from Master Life, Discipleship's Cross, and I do have the books. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, I mean, this is, this is Father Kid and Master Life right here. It says verse, let's see it. Uh, let's see it verse 18. 
I know I have four or five wrestling. Four is, uh, uh, now there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. There are differences of administration, but the same Lord. Um, but I want to lock in on verse 18. It says, but now God has set the members, every one of them, in the body as it pleased him. So God is setting us up, right? And we talked about this when we talked about the power breaking through on Sunday, how when they, when they put those stones together in the temple, and we are the temple now. And so God set the members in the body strategically to have a, a, a necessary impact on each other. I'm going to do an audible real quick because it's kind of hard to read that without reading Romans 12. So let's read Romans 12. Uh, and we'll read 4 and 5. It says, it says for as, I'll give you time to get there. Romans 12, 4 and 5. It says, for as we have um, many members in one body and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ. Every one members, every one members one of another. So each thing is connected to another. I was sharing this with somebody the other day and I was telling them, you know, it's just like you have a pinky. Uh, you know, it's, it's interesting how God set up the hand and he has the index finger, you know, and he has, you know, we call it the middle finger and you got your ring finger and you got your pinky. But suppose, so suppose I'm the index finger or, or I'm the, my wife is the index finger and I'm supposed to be the middle finger, but God makes me a pinky. That wouldn't even fit. It don't even look like it goes there, right? It's not designed to, and, and actually the, the pinky stays at the same distance from the index finger your entire life. You know, like it doesn't change positions. It doesn't get closer. You know, one of the things they teach you with basketball is you have a spread, right? So, it's, you know, it's all totally elbow reaching the net. But you have a spread when you follow through, when you close your hands, these two fingers connect to this thumb, and that's your pointers. Matter of fact, if you throw a football, same thing. You, you, when it rolls off your fingertips and you follow through. So you'll see guys just following through. And for whatever reason... It goes straight, right? But you notice the pinky ain't involved. You ever, if you watch somebody shooting and you see them shoot and it looks like the pinky's up in the air, right? right? But they're not trying to be cool. That's follow through and these are your pointers. Pinky's not involved in that, but the pinky is involved in getting it set up. But I've never seen my pinky complain when I was playing basketball. When am I going to get to be the, the pointer? I was just don't understand, man. Seemed like the index finger and middle finger and the thumb, they're getting all the action. Not one time. Well, well, could we change positions? I want to be closer. No, no, it's, it's, it's in its position. And listen, these days, you know, as you, you grow, you learn stuff. So I'm trying to take care of everything. I'm trying to take care of my face, my eyes, everything, right? Stuff I never did in my life. Right. Yeah, you know, I never put anything on my face, so I was, I was, I don't know if that was wise, but I just didn't want no medications or nothing on my face. So I never put anything on my face, pretty much my, most of my entire life, with maybe the exception of cocoa butter. That's it. And so, so I'm learning to care for the face. But while I'm in the mirror, I've not once heard my heart say, that's how we rolling now? Can I get a little cream? You know something like it's it's in this position, and it's listen, and it understands. Hey, I don't have to be seen. Mess with me, see what happens. <laughs> you see, I'm a whole lot more valuable than that. How you how you look? Because if I stop, you ain't gonna care how you look. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? So so, you know, we all have our place, and and that's why we 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 want to. Trust God's positioning for us in the body. So when we come into fellowship, this is the danger. Well, it's not danger, but this is sometimes where we're tempted. When you get into fellowship, you actually see gifts and skills. You, people question some things you say. You ever like had a certain philosophy and you get a guy around a group of people and you start communicating it and they're like, what are you talking about? That ain't, that's not, they don't line up with what God's saying. And you'd be like, what do you mean they don't line up? You're like, no, look at this. But you never knew it because you were by yourself. 
Now you get around people. Husbands and wife knows, they know that very well, right? You got a certain way you flow on, you be like, so, so you leaving that underwear right there? Yeah, 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 I always put my underwear right there. Not in this house. We can't be rolling like that. You know, we have ways that we operate by ourselves when you get around a group of people. It's not a put down. It's now it's an opportunity to learn something different, to make some adjustments. Actually, so as a pastor, it helps me to go deeper. Uh, there's times I've taught something, and listen, you're not, as much as people think you're a walking Bible, we're not walking Bibles. It's just so much information in there. Like, you don't, uh, you know, somebody might quote a scripture and say, you know that, right? I was like, nah, Where, where's that at? But you're a pastor. That would mean I, I might have read the scripture, but I'm like you too. You know how you go, now what was that scripture? I know where that scripture at. Guess what? I process through that the same way too. All right? And there's some scriptures you may draw attention to you, I've read over. When you bring them up, I go, oh, that's a good point. I'm saying that to say when you get around people, even me, a lot of you open your mouth and I'm like, uh-oh, that's some insight there. I, I, I'll be taking notes. Y'all cannot take notes if y'all want to. I'm taking notes around everybody I'm around. The kids, I'm taking all types of notes. That's the value of fellowship because everybody has a piece. Remember pictures and pieces? Like everybody has a piece, right? And so that's, that's the, the benefit of fellowship, but you, you got to be humble when you're in fellowship. You know, you got to be humble and you got to be patient and you can't talk too much. You already know what you know. Find out what you don't know, right? All right, so let's, let's look at this from an angle of, 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 of how sometimes this power of fellowship can work, you know, even as it is uh, with leadership, with, um, you know, top leaders, second-tier leaders, everybody. So we're going to go to Exodus 17. And we're going to lock in on verses 8 through 16. Exodus 17, 8 through 16. Make sure it's 8. No, it's not 8. I said 17, right? It is eight. Okay, eight. All right, it says, Then came Amalek, or Amalek, and fought with Israel in Raphidim. Now, Raphidim was significant because that was the place where Israel questioned God's presence among them. So God had did all his miracles. They get to uh, uh, Raphidim. They get there, and then they're like, question, is God really with us? And so you think about how God is thinking, like, how are y'all questioning if I'm wrong with you? I did all this stuff for you, you didn't get here, right? So at this same place, right, uh, it says, And Moses said unto Joshua, Choose us out men and go out and fight Amalek. So God allowed the, the, the enemy to come in, you know, because they questioned him. But, you know, there's always a plan, though, because they're going to see the value of God and how he operates. Um, he says, tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with, a rod, with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses had said to him and fought with Amalek. He says, and, Mo, and Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And it came to pass when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. When he let down his hands, Amalek prevailed, but Moses' hands were heavy, and they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat thereon, and Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands. So now you got Aaron and Hur helping him to keep his hands up. So he's keeping his hands up to the Lord. What is, he, what is his focus on? His focus is on God. Remember, Jesus looked up to the Lord. He focused on God. As long as his hands was up, he was fine, Right? Uh, her stands one. Okay, it says uh, they stayed his hands. It says the one on the one side and the other on the other side, and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua discomfited Amalek 
and his people with the edge of the sword. And the Lord said unto Moses, write this for a memorial in a book and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua. For I will, early put, for I will utterly put out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it Jehovah Nisi. That's God my banner, right? God is my banner. Now, now, God spoke this because they didn't totally take out everybody, the, the women and children at that particular time, because God didn't want to take them all out at that particular time, but he was letting them know, you can write it down, eventually I'm going to wipe them all out, right? But this is, just goes to show you, you had the man of God who, he didn't go out to the war, he interceded before God, and he kept his hands up. But he couldn't keep his hands up by himself. So then his, the, the people that were at, at his next tier, they came and held up his hands and kept his hands up. So he couldn't hold up his hands by himself. That, that, that holding up his hands represents power. He couldn't operate in the power without the fellowship and the support of, of everybody else. Right? And that would be include Joshua and them that went down there and battled. So fellowship is important. I mean, we, I, I was talking to my wife, and uh, she has a, 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 a friend of hers that, you know, um, they developed a relationship over the years as we've operated in ministry and in fellowship. And my wife has said this statement. She says, she, you know, a lot of us are like this, but she says, I like to study people because I study people to find out openings to minister to them. So she said, case in point, I just, I'll just pick a, any old issue, uh, R. She says, case in point, R, I know R. I've studied R. And so I've positioned myself to be able to better assist R in ministering to her because I connect with her. So, so again, she's not just hanging around people for the sake of talking so, so, so people can listen to her. She's not just hanging around people and she's totally oblivious to the person around. Like she's, you know, the person's talking, but she's not listening. Because a lot of us do that. Like, we're around people, we ain't paying people no mind. Because if it's not a benefit to us, we ain't listening to nobody. Somebody could tell you something and be like, well, what, when did that happen? Right in front of your face. Was you listening? You know, what uh, Pastor Mel was saying, she, she values and she invests in fellowship. So her life is not her own. It's not just about her. And so you can find out things to assist people in their time of need, right? And so, so this, is, this fellowship is a covenant, and we can't cross over the covenant if we're sticking to our own ways and philosophies. We can't cross over into covenant if we're sticking to our own ways and philosophies. If we're running from the other point of view, right? If we're avoiding accountability. And that's dangerous. It's, it's a dangerous position and place to be in. And, and, and I, I watch it, I, you know, because I study people too, and I watch the unaccountable freelancing person and how they run and they dodge. But they, they and they find, they find, and I don't, I don't know, if, I don't want to, I don't want to sort of say this is intentional, but I, but they, 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 they will associate, but they'll associate with the person that's naive and weak. And they'll associate with them because they can tell them anything. So that's really not about the person. It's about pumping up their own ego. And then they'll do it behind the scenes. You know, you know again, wolves in sheep's clothing is not just people that's trying to date everybody. Sometimes it's people that's hovering around and communicating private doctrine. Like, just, you know, so, so they're, they're not in fellowship. See, because if, if, if you really are operating on the level of wisdom and insight and intellect and illumination, then come into fellowship and let us reason together. Let us talk through that revelation. You know, come into the audience. You'll find these people, they never participate in fellowship stuff. You know, and it's all, now nah, I don't do that. Why not? And even if you don't think you can get something, shouldn't you be able to be giving something? Just like some people say, well, you know, I don't need the church. The church is in me. But the church needs you and the church that's in you. You see what I'm saying? Like, so, so church is not just about you coming for what you can get. 
It's about coming for what you can give. Right? Because otherwise you're constipated. You walking around at your house, can't nobody benefit from all that wisdom, insight, revelation you got sitting at the crib, right? Yeah, so you have these different levels. You got fellowship, you got fellowship, and you got friendship. And, you know, some of us, because we, how we grew up, I know how I grew up, I didn't trust nobody. So fellowship was hard. I'm not following nobody. Soon as it looked like I have to follow, I'm, I'm, I'm bailing out of that one. You know, because by default, I had to follow my whole life. So ain't nobody telling me what to do. You know, you, you know, when we break out, we can't wait to get to the point where can't nobody tell us what to do. But we go into work every day and we got to do everything they tell us to do. Right? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, no matter what. Oh, ain't nobody, I, ain't, I ain't doing what nobody told me to do. I'm out here selling whatever. Oh, you, unless you, the biggest drug kingpin in the, in the country, you're doing what somebody tells you to do too. And you're risking your life. So we all are doing something Somebody tell you to do, you're doing what the streetlight tell you to do, ain't you? Hopefully, unless you want to crash your car. Right? So, fellowship is hard. Fellowship is hard because now I can say the wrong thing. You know what I'm saying? I could, I could, I could do the wrong thing. I could be taken the wrong way. I could be misunderstood. You know what I'm saying? So, so fellowship is hard, you know. Um, but fellowship is growth because it builds character. Because if I can forge relationships in the, midst of, in the midst of a family, in the midst of a ministry, in the midst of a team, in the midst of a fellowship, whoo, I'm unstoppable, right? You can throw me anywhere. God can put me anywhere and use me. But if I'm limited to, to where I can interact and involve myself, then, then I'm, I'm actually uh, cutting off God's ability for me to go, go ye to all the world and preach the gospel, Right? I, so, so Paul thought this was big. Fellowship was big. Uh, Philippians 1, he was giving thanks for his friends because they continued in fellowship in the gospel. Uh, let's see, Philippians 1, verse 5. Philippians 1, verse 5. What I'm going to start is to see verse 3. He says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. He didn't say, I thank my God that I'm sweet. He's thinking about others. Verse 4, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making requests with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Look at me and confident in this very thing that he has begun a good work in you will perform it. So he said they, they, they was able to fellowship in the gospel, because what? They believe God begun a good work, he'll perform it. So they wanted to make sure they got all the intel so they was in right position when the manifestation took place. All right? This, this, this is a believer's action here. The Amplified Classic Version says, I thank my God for your fellowship, your sympathetic cooperation. <coughs> Excuse me. It says, your sympathetic cooperation and contributions and partnership in advancing the good news, the gospel, from the first day you heard it until now. And so, so, so this fellowship is big. And fellowship around, a, around the word is even bigger. So it's not fellowship for the sake of fellowship. We're going to just talk about nothing. We're fellowshipping around the word. Fellowshipping around God's presence. And if you, if you really do it right, illumination happens. Revelation happens. Insight happens, right? Uh, answers to prayer happen. So, so, just like with God, if you think about it, it's, it's a certain system. You can't enter into fellowship with God without coming through what? Jesus, right? You know, no man come to the Father, what? But by me. So, you can't enter in fellowship with God without touching Jesus first. Once you are a believer, you can't truly fellowship with Jesus without touching the Holy Spirit first, right? So, so, so if you look, uh, so John, John 14, 6 says, no man comes to the Father but by me. But I'm going to read 7 through 15, and then I'm going to read it out of Amplified. It says, however, I'm telling you, I am telling you nothing but the truth when I say it is profitable, good, expedient, advantageous for you, 
that I go away. Because if I do not go away, the comforter, counselor, helper, advocate, intercessor, strengthener, standby, will not come to you in close, look, in close fellowship with you. But if I go away, I will send him to you to be in close fellowship with you. And when he comes, he will convict, he will convict and convince the world and bring demonstration to it about sin and about righteousness, upright, uprightness of heart and right standing with God, and about judgment, about sin, because they do not believe me, trust in, rely on, or, or trust in, rely on, and adhere to me, about righteousness, upright of heart and right standing with God, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer, about judgment, because the ruler, evil genius, prince of the world, of this world, Satan, is judged and condemned and sentenced already, sentence already is passed upon him. I have, st- I have still many things to say to you, but you are not able to bear them or take them upon you or to grasp them now. But when he, the spirit of truth, the truth giving spirit comes, he will guide you into all truth, the whole truth, full truth. For he will not speak his own message on his own authority, but he will tell whatever he hears from the Father, he will give the message that has been given to him. He will announce and declare to you things that are to come that will happen in the future. He will honor and glorify me because he will take of, receive, draw upon what is mine and reveal, declare, disclose, transmit it to you. And so now he's talking about the, the, the consistency of fellowship, the fellowship of the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, the fellowship of Jesus with, with God, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit with Jesus, and the fellowship of us with the Holy Spirit. So picture Jesus, the Holy Spirit, um, uh, well, God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, having fellowship and just talking about us. <laughs> And just like we sit around and insight and revelation comes, you know, picture before the foundation of the world because their conversation is different. They're not bound by time. So whatever is revealed to them is transcending time. So in that conversation, they're discussing things thousands of years away or, or like you say, in eternity, Right? They created something called time for us to have this temporary preparation period to learn to appreciate the things in heaven, right? But through fellowship, we, we actually get to see the things to come. Through fellowship, spending time. That's why when two or more gather in my name, there I am in the mist, right? And so... If you don't, so, so you can't come to God but by Jesus, you can't really, you, got, you have to touch Jesus to get to God, you have to touch the Holy Spirit to get to Jesus. But if you don't, you're probably going to get to, I know, I know not whence you are. Like remember, remember as uh, Luke 13, 24 to 27, there's people coming in the last days trying to knock and enter in the door. He's like, depart from me, you work of inequity. I know not whence you are. What it's saying, I don't know what household you're from. So, so again, think about it. You haven't been in fellowship with us. You know what I'm saying? So who are you? And, and, and this is the thing. God could design what he intended. In, like in the eternal realm, he, he gives it a vessel in the earth realm. But our goal is to operate on heaven and earth. Our, our, our goal is to be born again. So at the time when you're knocking on the door, you have to be a part, a part of the born-again fellowship. So you have to have been covered, saturated with the presence of God so he sees what he designed. If you're, if you're uh, smeared with the world, when he says, depart from me, I do not know you, that's not what I designed. The only people that have access to this door are part of the born-again fellowship, Right? born of, they're not just born of water, they're born of the Spirit also, right? That's John chapter 3, right? John chapter 3, verse 5. 
All right, so, so, so again, if we're part of the born, born again fellowship, and I, and I get it, you know, when I was uh, really in the world, I used to hear born again and saved and stuff like that, it would kind of push me away, you know, like, what, y'all think y'all better? They wasn't thinking nothing. They found out what they needed to sign on to, you know, and I did, you know. So, and so what I was doing, I, I was a part of a fellowship, but not the born-again fellowship and not the fellowship of light. I was a part of the fellowship of darkness. I, see, the Scripture says, walk not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the way of the sinner, nor sit and see the scornful. I, see, I, I was walking in the counsel of the ungodly. I was in the wrong fellowship. <laughs> You understand what I'm saying? Uh, uh, Psalm one, one, two, three, and so, so we can't be around ungodly counsel fellowship. We have to be around righteous fellowship, and so sometimes we're trying to mix them in because we like a person because the person is nice. But if we're honest and we step back, it's not. It, it may be like, it may be nice, but I don't have to live a standard when I'm around this person. You know, I'm. I you know. I'm, whatever level I'm at in my righteousness, it's, it's going to blow them out the water, so I'm okay. And they're not even requiring any righteousness of me. So I'm comfortable being around them because I don't have to deal with the pressure of living righteous. It's not pressure, but, but it can be perceived that way, right? So sometimes it's easier to be around compromise because now there's no standard to me. You know what I'm saying? So, so, so we hold on to the compromised relationships, and then we don't realize they got our ear, though, too. You don't, you don't, you don't just get the comfort, you get the conversation. <laughs> and that starts to bleed into you, and it starts to weaken you, right? You know, the Scripture says, meditate on the Word day and night and do all that's written therein. Then shall you make your way prosperous. Then shall you have good success. So I have to meditate on this Word day and night. But suppose I'm in the wrong fellowship. What am I meditating on? Whatever is being absorbed in my ear, the ungodly counsel. So that's how I can move on how I feel. That's how I can get caught up in lust, right? That's how I can get caught up in fear, right? That's how I can get caught up in, in these little lines that excuse me moving towards the righteous God, right? Because now I've allowed the wrong things in my ear. I want to read uh, Jeremiah 29, 9 through 14. Jeremiah 29, 9 through 14. It says, For they prophesy falsely to you in my name. I have not sent them, says, says the Lord. For thus saith the Lord, when, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you. And keep my good promise to you, causing you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts and plans that I have for you, saith the Lord. Thoughts and plans for welfare and peace and not for evil to give you hope in your final outcome. Then you will call upon me and you will come and pray to me and I will hear and heed you. Then you will seek me, inquire for and require me as a vital necessity, which we should be doing already. And find me when you search for me with all your heart. When you search for me with all your heart. That's the key there. It says, and I will be found by you, saith the Lord, and I will release you from captivity and gather you from all the nations and all the places to which I have driven you, saith the Lord. I will bring you back to a place from which I caused you to be carried away captive, or allowed you to be if you convert to Hebrew, right, or, or allowed you to be driven if you convert to Hebrew. And so, so, so he's saying, like, you, you left fellowship with me and started fellowshipping with the wrong people, and so their authorities were guiding you falsely, falsely. So you can't possibly be fulfilled with the information they're giving you. You know what I'm saying? Because that, that information is not your diet. You know, the Scripture says in 2 Corinthians 4, it says we have the same spirit of faith. So we are, well, let's just go there. 2 Corinthians 4. 2 Corinthians 4. 
You know, we're talking about the power of fellowship. 2 Corinthians 4.13, it says, we having the same spirit of faith, the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed, and therefore I have spoken. We also believe, therefore we speak. So, so we're communicating the same thing based on how we believe together, right? How we believe together. Remember in Acts chapter 2, they were on one accord when the power manifest, Acts 2.1. Genesis 11, this was the, this, this is them together in an agreement. They just had the wrong motive because they was influenced by Satan. If you study it out in the Kamash, where they were building the tablet of Babel, right, in Genesis uh, 11. But it says they were of one mind and one speech, and nothing would be restrained from them that they imagined to do, just because they were in agreement. Sense? Right. And so when we get in agreement with God, we get in agreement with His will and His Word. We're fellowshipping around His Word, and we're in agreement with what God has communicated. He says His Word to go out, won't return to him void, but accomplish what He sent it to do. So if I'm in fellowship around His Word, I'm in fellowship around the Word that's in me that's, that has to do what God said, said it's supposed to do. So I'm playing off what's in my ear is the Word. What's in my heart is the Word. And what I'm absorbing is the Word. So what am I, what's going to manifest in my life? What God says. But if I'm absorbing what the world says, that's what's going to manifest in my life. So, so, so we have to watch it. See, see, Jesus, we fell out of fellowship with God because of Adam and Eve. Jesus paid the price for us to get back into fellowship. The Bible says, uh, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the same was in the beginning with God. And then... Um, John 1, 1 through 3, John 14, it says, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld Him, the only begotten of the Father. We already know who that is, right? Full of grace and truth. That's Jesus, right? Only begotten Son, John 3, 16. Right, so here, the Word became flesh, so flesh can become the Word. So what He did was, see, because the goal was for us to stay in harmony with God. So, so we're breathing the Word. Remember, God spoke things in, the, in their existence. So when we're in proper fellowship, we, we have power. There's power with that fellowship because now we have uh, faith-filled words. We have life-giving words. Words that I speak, uh, they're a spirit and they're a life is what the Scripture said. And so now that's, that's in us. You know, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So, so, so that's, you know, that's why years ago, uh, this is like before 1914, you know, when you was at the house, you had a devotion. Before, you went to, before your kids went to school. When they got to school, they had a devotion at the school. While they were at the school, part of their curriculum was the Word. When they got home, guess what? They had another devotion. But nobody was like, man, we got another devotion? Well, I wasn't there. Maybe you had your twos and your fuse. But go back and study and look at the culture at that time. Look at the, the, the economy. Look at the production. Look at everything. Then go back and see when they started to, you know, you know now, now it's okay to kill children and all types of stuff. Just look at how, how things change. Why did that happen? Look at when they took prayer out of schools and look at the culture, how the culture changed. They took prayer out of schools. Then they used to have the Ten Commandments everywhere you went. They took that out of school. And look at what happened. So, so, so kids would see, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal. They took it out of schools and look what happened. So, listen, it's not even about, you know, I don't get into politics to, to discuss them in the pulpit. I don't even have to. If you're watching and you're a politician, if you're watching and you whatever, uh, pro-death, pro-life, if you're watching and you're, you know, you're conservative or liberal, step, just step back and let's see for yourself. Go research for yourself when people were focused on God and righteousness, Ten Commandments or whatever, and that was a part of the curriculum, and they removed it, look at the results in society. And then you tell me, then you choose. Stop, you got, we have to stop letting people speak for us, talk for us. L listen, if somebody's trying to get into office, their job is to sway you, right? So Sometimes you have to learn to, to, to think for yourself and read for yourself. So, see, no, I'm not telling you who to pick, but I am telling you, step back and just, you see the results for yourself. That's why I'm convinced. I just see the results. I see the difference. 
And so we got to return back to uh, fellowship, even with our families. Like, not even fellowship. We spend more time on the phones and tablets than we do even fellowship. You know, what's it? like fellowship, have a conversation. Let's, let's, let's sit and talk. Man, do you think about how much? I was talking to a, a young man. He's like family. You're probably saying everybody around us like family. But I was talking to him. I've known him for a long time. And, uh, man, we were talking. And I'm trying to tell you, power of God just hit. It wasn't me. If you're watching this, it wasn't me. But the stuff that God was downloading, I, I wish I was recording. <laughs> you know, it's just like I could use this for about to teach. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But, but, but that's what happens. You know, me and my wife would be talking. And we, we always be talking about the word, this, that, and the other. And, man, we both taking notes. Yeah, we both, we, we both going into our phones. Hold on, I got to get this. Like, but it's normal conversation to go, hold on a second. I can't finish that thought, but hold on a second. Just fellowshipping around the word, man. Like, and if you think about it, when, when there's darkness in, in the household, darkness in the church, darkness in the relationship, ain't nobody fellowshipping around the word, are they? Ain't nobody really going at it and they fellowshipping around the word. <laughs> right? And see, so, so now let's look here at Matthew 22, because we're going to see this fellowship, and we're going to see how it connects to um, quite a few things. All these, all these pieces connect from what we've been talking about. Power, breakthrough, real vision, I keep my promises. All right, so let's look here, uh, Matthew 22. Now, 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 here we're going to find out the great commandment, okay? So, 22, uh, and we'll start here, verse 36. It says, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? You know, they're trying to ask Jesus questions. We got your attention. So, what's the great commandment? Y'all, it's commandment. What's the great commandment? And Jesus said unto them, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, right? And with all thy soul and with all thy mind. It says, this is the first and great commandment. Right? Look, it says, and the second is like unto it, just as great. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So whatever commandment there is, you can, you can see it's an aspect of loving God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and also loving your neighbor as yourself. These are great commandments. Now, Matthew 28. Let's go to Matthew 28. We're going to connect these two. So, Matthew 28, verse 19. It says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even into the end of the world. So now we have the great commandment to love God and love others, but the great commission fulfills part two of the great commandment. Go ye to all the world and preach the gospel. Well, actually, it fulfills both of them, right? Because the scripture says, how can you love God you can't see if you can't love your brother that you can't see, something like that? Right? So, so we're loving God by loving others. <laughs> right? So this great commission is big. Uh, and and I, I pulled this from uh, the Disciples' Cross. This, uh, Jesus never intended for you to operate in a vacuum. You cannot, be ba- you're not, you cannot be a balanced Christian if you neglect loving relationships with others. If you try to live apart from the fellowship of other believers, the church, which is Christ's body, you will not experience fullness of life in Christ. The Lord put us in a body of believers because sustaining life outside of the body is difficult. As we stay connected to people in fellowship and as we love one another, we gain strength for one another. That's why fellowship is important. Uh, uh, John 13, 34 and 35 says, love one another as I have loved you. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if what? You love one another. 
So again, we can say we're disciples, but it's really displayed. It's not what we, just what we say, it's what we display. And we display it through loving one another, right? That's, and see, now loving one another is the uncomfortable person. Now I got to use love. Because if everybody wonderful, you ain't got to use no love. If you ain't got nobody with a funky attitude, you ain't got to use no love. But something in our DNA says, oh, they funky. Mm, mm, mm. Is, that the, is that the line? Mm. No, no, no. Let's not do the mm. Let's take a step and say, let me ask you something. Because you may not notice. Like, do you realize? Did you, do you, do you realize what you just said? I know what I just said. Okay, do you realize the impact? I mean, you can flow like you want to flow, but I actually wanted to, I wouldn't be loving you if I don't make you aware, because you might not be aware that you cutting folk. As opposed to the opposite of that, which is not love, would be Ms. Lamar. You see that idiot? Man, and then we go around and everybody has stories of how the idiot was being an idiot. But ain't nobody talking. Forgive me for saying idiot, okay? I see you out there acting up just because you heard the word idiot. You know, people can operate in that level of intelligence. That is a level of intelligence, idiot, all right? And so, so I'm, I'm saying that just to say people, people that's funky is placing the demand on your love. It's an opportunity to love, all right? I didn't say it's an opportunity to be abused, so I'll clear that up too. So that's not an opportunity for somebody to walk, over, walk all over you. Hey, you know, you know, love, we talked about this the other day, is not just kindness. Sometimes, what is it, 1 Corinthians 5, we, we, it said turn them over to Satan so he could touch their flesh. So what he was saying is, hey, at this particular point, the only thing that's going to awaken that person is if they feel the consequences of their choices. You know, some people have never felt the consequences of their choices because they've always figured a way to manip- manipulate around it. They, they you know, so I, so I was in a situation, I'm going to try to be as tactful as I can because I don't want, I'm not trying to discriminate the person, but I was in a situation where uh, the person really sucked the life out of me. I'll say it that way. So when this, this conversation sucked the life out of me. And so the next, the next response I got for the person was, uh, I don't want to say the exact response. I'm going to just say all good. It's all good, right? And so I looked at my phone. I said, babe, I was like, what am I supposed to do with this? Because that's not the response for when you just crush somebody. Hey, I know this didn't go well. Let's talk this through. Uh, or look like you was a little bothered because you tell me what you heard, whatever, you know, but you don't just pretend it's all good. No, it's not really all good. But I, I'm, not, I'm not offended, but I'm like, and then I told my wife this. I said, babe, it's not that person's fault. She says, what are you talking about? They did this. They said, I said, babe, it's not that person's fault. And, and she didn't, she, was, she wasn't like, no, it's their fault. She was just saying, well, you, you know, she's just asking me. And I said, I trained them. She says, what do you mean you trained them? I trained them. And I'm paraphrasing. I don't know if she said, what do you mean you trained them? I just know she, she was just asking me to clarify. I said, babe, I trained them because this pattern is not new. I've been in dealing with this pattern for years. I just notice it now because I'm outside of the environment. I said, so the person for years have maybe done something to cut, and all they had to do was act nice, but because I've reverenced them, I'm going, look, they was nice to me. Like, they did me a favor, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Like, they were nice to me. Look, they picked me to be nice to. When it's not about them acting nice, it's about them taking responsibility for their actions. But they never had to for years. So it wasn't their fault. It was my fault because I trained them. They never had to feel the consequence of their choice. 
And see, it, some situations we're going, I can't believe they keep getting over on me. Why can't you believe it? You keep training them that way. You're not addressing the behavior. You're, you're doing something saying, I'm doing it out of love, but then you're going back and complaining. You know, they just need to be more thoughtful, this, that, and the other. Oh, 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 oh. They can't help you more than you want to help yourself. You need to hold them accountable or let them feel the sting and pain of their choice. And I guess they'll appreciate all you've done to that point. That's not cruel. You think that's cruel. It's not. Right? But all this happens when we're loving one another. Doing what's best. Not what's comfortable, but not what's easy. Because some of us are destroying people's lives. Because they can't put you in their pocket and carry you everywhere they go. They can't go carry you to the boss. They can't carry you to the teacher. They can't carry you in their relationship. Fine, if you're going to be in their pocket everywhere they go and, you know, and they pull you out as a representative, <laughs> that's fine. But that's not the case. So, so, so you have to do what's best for them because people around them are going to call them out on some of the things they're doing. Right? All right, so... Let's end there. We can end there. We'll, we'll pick up next week. That's enough. <laughs>